Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. Sean Pendergast is on vacation for one more day. He went to a New Jersey Devils game yesterday with a few of his friends. And uh, he had a well, – well, he might have to talk about this tomorrow. Sean Bajani, who's in for Sean Pendergast. Sean, he had somebody, a fancy Manhattanite that he knows, let him use his car service for the day. Oh. So Sean and Amy took a trip up to Connecticut – in the morning using the car service and then the car service brought them back down to the devil's game and then presumably after the devil's game uh, back to their hotel so it's uh, like he lived a life of like basically he lived a life of like a-rod for (laughs) for a day you know just kind of just being squired around all over the place a lot of you guys that made that trip man uh lived a pretty good life this weekend it looks like uh, lopez and his son did an incredible job at the wedding the venue the cake oh my god if people haven't seen that on social it was crazy but um i just saw a few of the pictures in the backdrop of the city you know at the venue wherever you guys were at yeah phenomenal they had, um, yeah, it was it was really really cool. They they rented out this hotel, and they didn't rent out a hotel. Excuse me, they had it at a hotel. <laughs> Lopez isn't making that kind of money, um, but they his uh, his son BG is also a you know a, I think a big time fisherman like John. So the groom's cake was it looked like a, the cake looked exactly like a Yeti cooler full of bass, like and it was crazy. And kind of disgusting, but like, yeah, because it's like, okay, hey, this cake, this bass is actually tastes like cake. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Um, but it tasted great. It just, it looked exactly like, so they had yeah. that, they had a mariachi band playing when you got up, like the, the wedding was in the first floor of the hotel. And then John Lopez was the officiant. He did the ceremony. He did an incredible job. God, I, I choked up a little bit at the end. John had just the, just the right amount of choking up. He kept his cool. Uh, but you know when somebody else chokes up and then you start to choke up a yeah. little bit. Um, and then so after they had the wedding in the restaurant on the first floor, you, they had an express elevator up to the top floor of the hotel. And at the top floor of the hotel, they had all the food and everything in the center, but there were like two different lounges on either side of the city. So, like, on the one side, you could look out over the East River and see the Chrysler building, and then on the west side, you could see all the other stuff. Uh, it was really, really cool. So, good job by uh, by John Lopez. 
and um, I've got a little bit more on that later. Free agency begins really, I mean, it's really already begun as people start re-signing their own guys, but it starts in earnest at 11 a.m. this morning when legal tampering can begin. I, I got to tell you, there's one guy that Sean and I have kind of, through six degrees of separation, tried to link to the Texans that nobody else is linking to the Texans. But it's uh-huh. the one thing that I will lose my crap. Like, I will, I will go on and do, like, five hours of streaming on my YouTube because I'll be so excited about um, Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle from the Eagles. If, uh, if the Texans actually made a play for him, like a top free agent. And, and this is the important thing, Javon Hargrave obviously would have to agree to it. I feel like it would be yet another coup for the Texans the same way getting D'Amico Ryans was a coup because nobody thought that it would happen because why would he go to why would he go to such a forlorn franchise? Um, Javon Hargrave has a link to Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator. Matt Burke's first year as defensive line coach up in, in Philadelphia was when they recruited Javon Hargrave in free agency. Hargrave had been huh. with the he had been with the uh, the Steelers, which is less of an aggressive front. And, you know, not as conducive to getting lots of sacks like Javon Hargrave has as a defensive tackle. So Matt Burke was kind of part of convincing him to come to Philadelphia, telling him, like, hey, this is the kind of scheme we're running. It's going to be good for you. And then he worked with him. And, you know, Burke comes from the old Titans, uh, Jim Washburn defensive line coach system where like the defensive linemen just get after it yeah and guys they've got a history of taking guys and transforming them into better pass rushers I think Javon Hargrave might be more intrigued by the Texans and D'Amico Ryans and whatever Matt Burke can tell him than a lot of people might realize the question is okay do the Texans are they in a position where they should be giving up 25 million dollars a year to a to a defensive lineman? Uh, that's, I what I was, yes. that's what I was going to ask you is like what's his market because this will be his age 30 season I, yeah. I believe and so like what's really the ask here um he's coming off of a season in which he has like 11 sacks and some way somehow didn't make a damn pro bowl that I'm trying to figure out but um, yeah, well, well, playing on a on a great team with a great defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? They're just they're so all of a sudden there's so many freakishly good defensive tackles. It's weird. And and poor Kenyon Green saw all of them in like a six week period. He did. They're so and they're all like concentrated on the Giants and the Eagles. There's a there there's all these and the Redskins. Excuse me, the Commanders. I mean, they've got studs all over the place. <laughs> And that was the division that Kenyon Green faced this year. All these awesome defensive tackles in the NFC East. Kenyon Green, when he's banged up, faces all those studs. I'm trying to think of it that way when it comes to Kenyon Green having such a rough time. Um, and just, I, like, I don't want to make excuses for him, but I'm going to give him some slack and, and hope that he, you know, learns some good lessons there. I think there that's, like, the best healthy. thing you could hope for, though, Seth. It's yeah. like if you're a rookie and especially one that gets to play along the side of Laramie Tunsil, you know, and you're in this position that the franchise was in, like, where, you know what, they're going to let you go out and play. And they did. They let him just go out and play and figure it out, kind of unlike they did with Damian Pierce. Yeah. You know, unlike they did with Derek Stingley where they didn't use him, you know, to his best skill set at all this season, and they treated Pierce with kid gloves, and, you know, even to some degree still Davis Mills, but whatever. Uh, They let Kenyon Green go out there and figure it out. If you're ever going to have to face, like, that level of competition, I'd kind of want it to be my first year where I'm like, you know what? 
yeah, this is the NFL. Welcome to the NFL. This is exactly the bar that I need to set for myself that I've got to compete with these guys. So the other, since we're talking about interior line, the other thing that happened over the, the, the three days of the weekend, I can't remember if this was on Friday or Saturday, was Ben Jones was released by the Titans. Mm. Um, so Ben Jones, former Houston Texan, notorious bug eater, uh, very good friend of J.J. <laughs> Watt. Right. J.J. loved him, remember? Um, like He was released by the Titans, and the Titans, you might ask, like, okay, is it because he sucks now? He has been freakishly consistent, Ben Jones has, and like not an all-pro performer, but exactly the right kind of guy that whatever you were looking for, for for in Justin Britt, I believe you would actually find in Ben Jones. He's a guy that um, is a steady veteran, smart, isn't going to blow you away with highlight reel stuff or anything. Getting up there in years, I think that you might – he would be like an extremely poor man's James Harden where, like, hey, maybe he just loves Houston and he'll come back and – uh, you know, on a on a very reasonable couple year deal, he was banged up some last year, but he's been very consistent otherwise. Um, I, because other than that, there's not a lot of really good interior offensive linemen or centers on the market right now. And and I don't think like look, the Texans already have. You know, when you factor in the first round picks traded for Laramie Tunsil, they've got yeah. four first round picks committed to the offensive line right now. What you need. Uh, at the center and possibly at right guard position are really just some steady veterans. Um, and I think right guard might work out anyways if you, have a, if you actually have a genuinely solid center in there. I think Ben Jones might end up being the guy. That would be great if he was. Um, and you're talking about at, at center. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you can't get Ben Jones, the Texans, they've got some other options. You know, I saw some reports this weekend um, where they could be in on uh, the San Francisco 49ers center, uh, Brendel, um, who, you know, if, you never know what to believe, but there were reports earlier this offseason that uh, Brendel and the 49ers maybe necessarily weren't seeing eye-to-eye contractually. He's a guy that I'll say kind of burst onto the scene this year. He was kind of young, up-and-coming player and kind of figured things out. Yeah, I like him. Because, well, this is like 49ers South now. He's got the familiarity with the system, with the scheme, you know, the line calls. He could be an incredible addition with up, the utmost value in Bobby Slowick's offense for the Texans if they were able to nab him. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good point. I, you know, it's funny. It strikes me that right now we're still in the honeymoon period mm-hmm. where, and because this is relatively new, I don't, I don't hear anybody, and I'll say that literally, I haven't heard anybody yet complain, oh, they're just trying to be San Francisco East, <laughs> you know, where, <laughs> where or I guess San, San Francisco South, we'll call it, San Francisco South, uh, or San Francisco Gulf Coast. Like, oh, they're just trying to be San Francisco Gulf Coast. I, that's, I mean, for one, okay, right now, because it hasn't been a years-long process like it was with the Texans, where they just kept trying to hire all these guys out of New England, yeah, that's exactly. when it started to get old. Now, I think there was a time, I can't even remember back that far, where people were okay with trying to emulate the, the Patriots. But it just, it's been, for one, with the head coaches, it's just been disappointment after disappointment say, after disappointment. It, it's cool if it works, right? Yeah. There's, how many times could you point to, and you just mentioned it with a head coach, that it's actually worked for a guy to leave New England and go elsewhere and have success. But, I mean, it's it's commonplace. You know, you, Where, you get a guy from a destination, if it's New England, San Francisco, wherever, they're going to bring the guys that they know, that they work with, that they trust, and it just kind of turns out to be it that happens. way. Yeah. Well, I get, you know, the difference is, though, too, 
Belichick's got this long history, and, you know, including before O'Brien was hired, of you know, and Bill O'Brien is arguably one of the best guys to come out of there as an yeah. offense, as, a, as an actual head coach. Um, they had the long history already of wow, Belichick's guys just don't seem to be good head coaches. Whereas with Shanahan, it's it's the opposite. So I think now in becoming, if you want to become San Francisco Gulf Coast, I think a lot of people are like. Cool. Like, they've been to the yeah. best academy there is. Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Slowick talked about it in his press conference. It was really cool in describing the way Kyle Shanahan is very tough on his coaches, but, like, really quizzes them and educates them and I think tries to create this pipeline to where, yeah, these guys are going to get hired away. The more success they have, as long as they're not beating me, um, they're gonna more bright guys are going to come. And then the other thing that happens too, and I think this is you know, hopefully something the Texans can develop, is that sometimes okay, you're gonna have a really good offensive coordinator. He's gonna get hired away to be a head coach. Maybe it happens two or three times. Some of them will fail, and then they come right back into the fold. You look at Kansas City right now, where um, uh, uh, what's his name, the Chicago head coach, is back in. Uh, Back as the offensive coordinator with Chicago now. Oh God, uh, Nagy, uh, Nagy, yeah, Nagy. So, yeah. yeah, Nagy. You know, Nagy goes off, fails, comes back to Kansas City, and then boom, there's your guy. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that part of it, I don't mind it all right now. Give me more uh, San Francisco Gulf Coast uh, as much as you want for this first year or two until you start to really develop your own pipeline of yeah, things. Maybe you know this, Seth. Uh, maybe I should know this, but I, I didn't really hear it expounded upon the other day during Bobby Sloak's introductory press conference. But, you know, he was telling the story about kind of his comeuppance in the league and how he'd spent so many years, I think it was three or four years, on the defensive side of the ball at first. Yeah. And, uh, Shanahan was trying to convince him, like, hey, you know, come over to the dark side, join the offense. Is that a thing? I feel like that's a thing with Shanahan. Like, he likes to have those guys that got their start on the defensive side of the ball because of their ability to just kind of see the game in a different lens. Is that a thing, or am I inventing that? I feel like I've read that, I've heard that. Um, those are the kind of coaches that he really likes. I think, um, I don't know, if there's one theme that I've noticed... Sean, because I can't think of a direct quote like about that specifically. Mm-hmm. The one theme I've noticed as I listen to all these coaches, um, and I look, I know Bill Lazor a little bit going way back. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I still got to hook back up with him. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a certain common thread of the, these guys really think about football. Like they've got philosophies and beliefs about how they want to do things. Like that rises above just you know being uh, like just being manual laborers or craftsmen you know like i think some football coaches are almost like just assembly line workers and then there's some football coaches that are true artisans like they you know like they've they've they're they're, they're fine carpenters they carve stuff and everything yeah. um i feel like there's that common thread from these guys that they really think about the game differently and that's how i'd always heard Shanahan was, and I think a, a lot of that honestly comes from guys uh, like like Bobby Slowick or Kyle Shanahan, who were sons of coaches, mm. because they just they grow up talking about it. Remember the story about Bobby Slowick used to leave notes for his dad when his dad was an offensive coordinator. Bobby yeah. Slowick, at like eleven years old, would leave notes for his dad in the morning on ideas for plays that he had. Yeah, so but like I, they're just. I, I think you're talking about too. It, it, you know, when you're talking about like the artisans and the carpentry of, you know, these yeah. coaches and just how they do their craft, it's not just about the play design, the schemes and things like that. It's about 
how they're developing the players. Like the yeah. the idea, the knowledge that they have on exactly how to do that, dealing with different personalities too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, right. And, and that's always, uh, what was the old Bum Phillips quote? It's uh, Which one? He had a billion of them. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just, just an open-ended What was the old Bum Phillips quote? Um, the, old, the Bum Phillips quote about it's not, it's not what you can draw up on the board as much as what you can get them to do. You know, it's uh, it's mm. like you always mm-hmm. got to keep that in mind. And Wade Phillips has always been brilliant at that. Obviously, he's still yeah. coaching at a very, very high level. Um, but like Wade Phillips and Bum Phillips were very good at that. Is like, okay, look, yeah, you can come up with a beautiful scheme, but if guys aren't executing at a million miles an hour, yes. it's useless. And and I think back. like D'Amico has talked about that. You know, and D'Amico is so D'Amico is a player. Yes, to get back to your original question, I think D'Amico as a player understands that. I think defensive coaches. As the the guys that um, the guys that can make the successful ascension to head coach, or you know, like with Bobby Sloak, if you're a defensive coach, you go over to the offensive side of the ball. I think sometimes what you get is an appreciation for how much stress some of the little things cause for the other side. Like you know, and also because this is what I know as a defensive player, talking to offensive coaches throughout my career. There were times where I'd have to tell, like, offense. I would go to, like, an offensive coordinator on the Texans and say, like, dude, like, you, like I hate to tell you this, but that defense out there knows exactly what's coming. <laughs> I'm sitting here on the sidelines, and I figured out your audibles in the first quarter. Like, and I'm just, like, I didn't even, like, I, like, I, like they know exactly what's coming. And I would watch the, I would watch the defensive line uh, or the linebackers, you know, make their adjustments to their calls and everything. Yeah. Uh, and, like, sometimes the offensive coaches, frankly – think that the defensive coaches are a bunch of cavemen idiots and or the, they think the defensive players are a bunch of cavemen idiots mm-hmm. and so like you bring that perspective with you likewise I think sometimes as a defensive player there are certain things that offensive offenses can do that are really really simple that put a lot of stress on the defense that offensive players don't understand and realize like look at how many quarterbacks like if you're a quarterback why are you not utilizing a hard count to an extreme degree why are you not pump faking why are you not why are you not using the play clock to your advantage? Like there's three simple things quarterbacks can do that make life hell for defensive players that a lot of quarterbacks simply don't do. And and part of it is sometimes cuz they got the offensive coaches who are just like they're too consumed with the Xs and Os. They're too consumed with all the uh, like looking brilliant as opposed to just actually executing things. So, yeah, I think that that's one of the things I I really like so far about the way they're operating here. Yeah. We got off on a huge tangent there. We got to talk I about University it. of Houston. Um, I'm, uh, I'm very excited to have you on as the Cougs drop one yesterday, but you know, with, with a whole bunch of asterisks there. So they don't win the, they don't win the conference, but they're going on and they will be a number one seed in the tournament. We'll talk about that next. And also what does the Carolina trade mean for the Texans at the number two overall pick that's coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so as it should be, the University of Houston is the number one seed in the Midwest division in the tournament. And... um I gotta ask you, Sean, because you cover the uh-huh. you've been covering the Cougs all uh, all year long. How how do you feel about Sasser's groin injury? Is this uh, uh, is this genuinely? Uh, Kelvin Sampson didn't play him yesterday. Obviously, um, he said there was never a chance he was going to play. They're going to be super super careful about it. That's why. Other than the yeah. other than the actual announcers yesterday, nobody was all that impressed by Memphis's victory. Um, uh, because because Marcus Sasser is out, it, can I feel reasonably confident in Marcus Sasser's groin? I, you know the look is a lot worse than what you're hearing. You know, you go back if you didn't see it, go back and find it. Uh, Sasser, you know, he gets the ball at the top and looks like he's going to make a move to his left and just does the splits. You That's know. what I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was just thinking like. You know, when I saw it initially, I'm like, boy, that's a groin. Like, I was thinking, like, something with the inner knee hitting the floor, you know, the ligaments there, but it's the groin. Um, it, it sounds like it's more encouraging than what I initially thought. Like, yeah. it, 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 it felt like if yesterday was a championship game, like for the tournament, dude's playing, you know, but it's yeah. a conference tournament. They felt really comfortable that they were going to get the one seed, and I think it was Samson. Uh, who after the game yesterday said, like, you know, look, if I would have played him and he would have gotten hurt, I don't think I could have lived with myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. so to me that was kind of encouraging. Like, they understood where they were and what the end goal really is. I mean, they made their best run, you know, in 40 years as a five seed, um, you know, before. Now they've got the one. You wanted the easiest path possible in the tournament. Um, they certainly would have loved the the number one overall seed, which, uh, what, Alabama ended up getting. Probably Houston gets it if they win the game yesterday, though I've heard a lot of people say, well, Kansas, you know, they won their tournament. They would have gotten it. I, I don't I don't know. I, I yeah. feel really good about where Sasser's at, all things uh, considered, just because of the way that Samson's talking, the way that Sasser himself, you know, has kind of characterized the injury. That's a good – you know, with the – with Samson and the way he's talking about it, yeah, you always have to get a read on each specific coach and like how how much they are for the smoke screens uh, or mm-hmm. the false confidence or anything in situations like that. And Samson genuinely isn't uh, he doesn't treat these things like maybe like the Astros treat their injuries, do they? No, he's no, not at all. Tran- he's pretty transparent. About I've stuff. been I've been saying this all year long. Kelvin Sampson, for my money, is the best quote in town, hands down, and it's because. 
he gives you substance. You know, he might go yeah. off on a tangent. He might not answer your question directly, but he's going to answer like the other five or six questions that you have that you haven't had a chance to ask yet. You know, when he talks, you just listen. I mean, he's got great stuff, but you get a really good sense like from him on where the team's at. He gives yeah. you the pulse. It's like, hey, man, this is where we're at. But keep in mind, Seth, you know, the, the Cougars made their run last year all the way to the Elite Eight, you know, without Marcus Sasser. Right. You know, they'd played with him, you know, uh, what, the last couple of weeks of the regular season and into the tournament without him with this injury. This is the reason why Sasser came back for his senior year, for unfinished business, you know, to get back to at least the Elite Eight and beyond. And you know they want to play in the Final Four because it's here in the age. It's that that's the part that is so freakish, especially with the Jim Nance dynamic. Mm-hmm. The the tournament, the final four being in Houston, um, there's only I, I didn't realize it was this rare. This is a how rare is it for a school to play in a final four just uh, just miles from campus? Only five schools: NYU, City College of New York, Louisville, UCLA, and Butler have done so. All of those schools, like up to UCLA, that was all done in 1972 and before that. Butler's the only one to do it in the last 50 years. So it's very, very rare for a team to make it to the Final Four in their own city. Yeah. Um, and then it's become increasingly rare now, too, for there to be, like, for the Final Four to be loaded with one seeds. It's like since 2012, six Final Fours have featured only one number one seed in it. Um, and, the, and this is where the, the bracket, uh, like frankly, for somebody, that likes to, for somebody that likes to root for home teams as much as possible in the tournament mm-hmm. until the last moment, they kind of screwed me with Texas, uh, A&M, and Houston all being in the Midwest right now. I know. Like spread the love a little bit, right? It, yeah. It, you know, it, there is a little bit of intrigue, though, depending on how, you know, obviously these games in the first round or two play out. I mean, you'd love to see, like, a Houston Aggie matchup or, you know, a Houston UT matchup, something like that. I mean, that would be great, obviously, for this region, for this area in terms of local intrigue. Obviously, since the Cougs are going to the Big 12, uh, are the the, uh, Longhorns making the jump early? I don't know, between them and OU. The the early jump uh, looks like it... as of a couple of weeks ago, they'd put the kibosh on that, but who knows? These things always Yeah, change. it's supposed to be like 2025, yeah. I think. So at least we'd get like a couple of years' enjoyment of facing, you know, the Longhorns and the Sooners in the Big 12 before they make the jump to the SEC. But from that point, the intrigue would be there and is there. Um, I just hate it for Texas A&M because, you know, you want to see Texas schools do well. They've got an incredibly difficult game in the first round against Penn State. Um, Penn State just took somebody to the brink, uh, you know, here recently. Maybe beat them. I can't remember. I've got all these teams and scores jumbled in my mind. But uh, are you a? a uh, game. Are you? Uh, what do you? What's your bracket strategy? Like, how do you pick your upsets? Uh, you know, like it's it's a lot of research. I don't know if I'd have a particular strategy. I do get way too deep in the weeds and tend to overthink things. I talk to my brother a lot. You know, who is a closet. Yeah. college basketball like expert and you wouldn't know it you know who covers the rockets you know yeah um does an excellent job there he picked a perfect bracket like 15 years ago what when, when he was like eight years old oh my god Idiot. but he hadn't signed up he for didn't any of those sign incredible... up for the thing he sent me serious? the screenshot picked a perfect bracket would send me after every round hey oh check my god. it out hey check it out i'm like 
He could be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but he did it. Okay, the crazy he thing did it. is that he actually did it with, because with, I know AK, he's a, like, he's, he's doing it with research. Yes. He's not, there was no superstition to that no. or just like throwing a dart at a wall. A lot of times the people that pick the perfect bracket, it's just such he's, random dumb luck that, oh no, wow. He's been a sport nutcase like his entire life. And Dude, he should have a sports gambling <laughs> site based on nothing except that alone. You got time stamps? or metadata on those photos or anything he's probably got the photos <laughs> yeah. you know i'm ocd so i delete like everything but yeah i guarantee he's got the photos still i just i never let him forget it just you know th- there's a couple of things like i never let him forget that and i never let my uncle forget the fact that he'd left the 18 inning game back in 2005 astros and braves early in the seventh inning and still made it back to austin before the damn game was over like those are two things like you yeah. just can't have happen <laughs> oh. like Always you, you, sign up for the bracket, number one. You know what? I had uh, I left the Mariners game, um, the extra innings game, it, in, after the ninth inning this year. Did you? Really? It was all. I was in Seattle. I was out there first. I had planned the trip to oh. Seattle uh, for a college visit, like long before we knew that that was going to be the matchup. Yeah, yeah. But it worked out perfectly. But then I'm kind of like I was torn between like okay. I'm out here for my child. <laughs> like, we're, we're like supposed to be visiting educational institutions. And I'm like, hey, kid, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be gone for about five hours. I'm gonna go watch a, gotta go watch a baseball game. So I thought, like, okay, cool, this will be fun. I sat by myself, um, you know, and, and just was in, enjoying a really, really boring game. Uh, and then it got to the ninth inning. I'm like, I gotta. I gotta go. I like, gotta there's go. this choice. Yeah. I can't be, I feel like I'll be, I don't have that many regrets over it because I'd already abandoned my child and it was supposed to be, uh, a, a bonding, uh, yeah, thing all when, about my child. But yeah. When you have a previous, <laughs> like, engagement, like, you know, another yeah. responsibility, that's a little bit different. You know, yeah. you're just in town on a whim and it's like, you know, one of the biggest games ever in franchise history and you're like, Meh, I'm good. I'm out at the seven. I want to beat traffic. It was honestly, <laughs> it was the eeriest. It was, I felt so guilty leaving the parking garage because I'd end up, I just, somebody hooked me up with some really good tickets where I had like parking right at the ramp on into the club level. Yeah. So I was parked like, so it was like from the time I decided I had to leave, I was out the parking garage and onto the freeway <laughs> like three minutes later. And it felt like it was one of those things where it, it, it felt so bad because it was so eerie and so easy. Like I was driving through a zombie town, you know, there was just no, uh, it's just, Okay, no, so what was the reaction whenever the Astros won in 18? <laughs> it was, well, I was in, by then, I was in some pizzeria in Tacoma, and nobody was paying attention. <laughs> you know how it is with baseball. You're always, in, you're always in some bar or restaurant, you're like, how come nobody's paying attention to this? Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, okay, we that's, do our daily, what's that? That's been me all season. You know, I've, I've found myself uh, in, in some bars on a weekend, like it usually, I think, Sunday, and I want to watch the Cougs. Like, you know, I have yeah. I have a family obliga- obligation. I want to go watch the Cougs. And they're not on the TV anywhere. It's like some rando college basketball game out in the Midwest <laughs> or like some teams from California playing. I'm like, who are you people? It's like <laughs> the Cougars are playing. I don't. Yeah, that's where I, at some point they got to just start getting it. Instead of having to ask the bartender who a lot of times doesn't even know how to change the channel. Every time. I, they got to just start having more people be able to just sign up to stream your phone to the smart TV. Yes. You know, just go ahead and let me, let me put it in it. Um, the mock draft injection. 
This, it got really interesting this weekend in the mock draft people. The mock da- draft machine was spewing out hot new takes all over the place with Chicago having the number, or excuse me, the Panthers now having the number one overall pick. Plus, very, very, very good news that Sean Pendergast better be excited about when he comes back tomorrow. Very good news on the Astros front coming up next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. For those of you who took a genuine break from sports for the weekend and started on Friday, it might come as surprising news to you that the number one overall pick has already been traded. Uh, Sean Pendergast is out today. Sean Bajani is joining me. And as we do our daily mock draft injection, we look at a world in which the Carolina Panthers, after trading away a first-rounder, a couple of second-rounders, and C.J. Moore to the Chicago Bears, the Carolina Panthers now have the number one overall pick. And I... Tried to figure out which way to go with this. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go the straight and narrow and use the CBS Sports um, mock draft, which with the first overall selection, makes a surprising pick in Bryce Young quarterback out of Alabama, um, where, frankly, a lot of people are going with, like, the vast majority of mock drafts I saw this weekend were going with C.J. Stroud, but we've been keeping up with the CBS mock draft. Um, Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. C.J.'s, uh, so for the Texans, with pick number two, take C.J. Stroud. Okay, uh, let me ask you, Sean. What are you are you buying that there's this broad consensus that the Panthers love CJ Stroud? Cuz this is a little no. bit of a surprise on the CBS mock draft. No, I'm not. Uh mainly because it's March 13th today yeah. and I know a lot of the when when did this trade happen? So a lot of this came out March 11th, the day that the trade happened or March 10th, I guess it was. Um no, any any projection tied to a specific player that says, "Oh, this team loves this guy." It's going to happen. No. I call BS. I don't believe you. Because we're too far out. I mean, we're a month and a half out still of the draft. And I don't believe that these leaks are taking place literally minutes and hours after a major deal to secure the number one overall pick in the NFL draft has come out. Yeah, that's... um, I And the Panthers GM 
during the draft had said that uh, he flat out wouldn't wouldn't trade up. You don't trade up that high unless you know exactly who you're going for. Um, I th- that falls into the category of. Uh, I, I think things that people just say, um, especially when you're or yeah, or. But it's also or, Captain Obvious. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's more it's more crap that I didn't need to come out of your mouth. Like I, we <laughs> we know that. Like you're not going to do something unless you want to do it. Nobody's got a gun to your head, but I, I kind of look at all of this as like smoke and mirrors and people setting the stage and playing the game. And I think that's a very real possibility you know initially when i was listening to john harris last week seth talk about um you know maybe the maybe the panthers don't know who they're going to draft yet and they make this deal and they're still kind of you know pouring over information and they're not sold on anybody but they've got the flexibility because you know they've they've got the number one overall pick and the ask can only go up here's my question to you though how many times in the history of the nfl draft has the top pick been traded for and acquired before the draft, but traded again before the draft or on draft day? Has that ever oh. happened? Oh, I don't know. You're the one that's good at stuff like this. Trades for the number one overall pick are actually not all that common to begin with, so I'm guessing that that's never happened. I don't. Uh, I need again, to look it up. I mean, it was literally just something that kind of popped into my mind, and I'm yeah. like, eh, I don't know. But it could happen, in my opinion with the Panthers in this situation because of the ask, because we're doing this to ourselves again every draft that there is more than one quarterback that is up for the discussion is like being the best, and there are so many quarterback needy and desperate teams out there, the ask is going to go up. The market is just driven up, and I think the Panthers got in while the getting was good, and they control the draft now. They They have all the power. They can manipulate a lot of things. Well, the the RG three trade is the one that might end up being relevant here, if if for some reason I I don't know, if I, I talked with one of our listeners about this earlier, uh, we were very uh, politely at loggerheads about this, but um, okay, what if the Texans just flat out really don't love any of these guys, um, or aren't even really they just don't like the downside of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? Um, is there a chance? Is there a chance that the Texans trade back? from number two overall. RG3, you know, uh, Washington sent a a huge bevy of picks to St. Louis uh, to get that number two overall pick. And at the time, you know, the Rams didn't need a quarterback. I just can't see that happening. I think at this point, at this point, I think uh, in my mind, it's almost an impossibility that the Texans don't take a quarterback. I agree with you. Uh, I guess anything's possible, but you know, I'm comfortable almost with anything that happens, you know, if the Panthers value Stroud over Young and, you know, everybody around here obviously wants Bryce Young and I think they should and I I want Bryce Young. If the Texans get, I'm good with anything that happens until that player that you didn't get that you had an opportunity to becomes like a perennial, you know, all pro. Like, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you know, it's you feel terrible. Hindsight is a mofo, but I'm not really worried about it. It's just... If the Texans don't like either one of these quarterbacks, I would be shocked. I really, really would. I, say, I think I said this to you on Friday. You, you, you can't convince me that there's not you know, a prominent individual, a coach, over there at NRG that has to pick up their jaw off the floor because they just don't love one of these guys at number two. I think yeah. they do. Yeah, I think that. And it, well, and a lot of it, too, is that Casario has been – scouting these guys for a long time 
the mm-hmm. good GMs try, or at least a lot of good GMs, their strategy is usually they don't want their staff or anybody to really know who they really like, um, if ever, but definitely not until after everything is done. Because they don't want to pollute their – they don't want to pollute the opinion – of the other people on the staff. Because if the head guy like look, if the head guy loves Bryce Young, guess what's gonna happen to a lot of these other scouts? They're gonna start loving Bryce Young too. You know, they're gonna just find boy, yeah, boy, you're a genius, boss. I can't tell you what I don't know what we do without you, skip. Um so the GMs want guys to develop their own opinions and likewise I think that Casario probably wants D'Amico Ryan's um, and his staff to develop their own opinions about the quarterbacks. Yeah. And then you get together and uh, at a certain date before the draft and start comparing notes and figure out exactly who you like. And, and almost like a dating game or something. Hopefully you guys both open the envelope and it's the same guy. You know, it's not the same guy. If D'Amico likes C.J. Stroud and Casario likes Bryce Young, then you gotta, they, you're got you going to have a chat. Obviously. I think Casario said this uh, multiple times now um, in regards to the point that you're just making. You know, uh, Casario uh, said, uh, I think on his last availability, <clears throat> that he didn't want to force his opinion on right. D'Amico and vice versa. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The stage that the Texans and I guess really a lot of other teams are at right now, and consider the fact that it's March 13th, right? I mean, the new league year free agent period begins in two days on March 15th at 3 o'clock Central Time, right? Are the Texans, you know, just simply concentrating on the team-building aspect from a free agency standpoint right now? I think yes, and they should be. And at the same time, you know, look, they're putting in long hours over there. At the same time, Slowick and D'Amico and, you know, the entire staff, they're trying to put their opinions, you know, and then they're, they're, they're doing their homework and try to arrive at, like, a guy yeah. that they need at number two. And they need at number 12 and some options to bring to Nick. But that's something that maybe you don't address for another two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, It starts to get... When you get into the hypotheticals, there's so many things, obviously, that could happen. This uh, In this CBS mock draft, I can tell you right now, Sean Bajani, uh, I don't know who this mock drafter is. They only put CBS Sports on it. But let's analyze this very curious 12th <laughs> overall pick. The 12th pick in the Saturday version of the CBS mock draft, the Houston Texans select Pete Skaronsky, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Which, I like without any explanation about what happened to Laramie Tunsil or Titus Howard, I'm not. I'm not feeling this one. I don't need to, and I don't think Skaronsky is a guy that people are thinking you want to move to guard um, unless you do it for a year, and then maybe they figure out what happens with Laramie Tunsil. If Laramie Tunsil's still on the roster, and there's some kind of movement on giving him a long-term extension, I don't need to. I don't need to take an offensive tackle with the 12th overall pick. If they took an offensive tackle later in the first round, there's you know there's there's reason to to believe that that's not a bad move um it's but for me with an offensive tackle if you're drafting them when you've already got a couple solid ones on your roster it's either got to be that like oh it's jonathan ogden uh, you know and this like this this guy's gonna be awesome or it's a guy that you're given a chance maybe he's versatile maybe it makes it easier to walk away from a larry mctunsel but i got we got we got too many other needs to just start taking the best player offensive tackle available at number 12. I always like reading the uh, summaries of these mock drafts, in particular, you know, tackles. 
because every single one of them are the same. And this one, Peter Skaronsky is a pass-blocking specialist. Well, you damn well better be if you're going to be yeah. a left tackle you know, in the I NFL. Well, but these days, yeah, there's no – well, the kid that went to the, the Saints last year <laughs> that I hate so much, can't think of his name. He Trevor is a, like a run – what's that? What is it, Ben? Trevor Penning. Trevor Penning, that's right. Uh, I blocked his name from my mind. Like he's <laughs> awesome at run blocking, but like the worst pass blocker anybody's ever seen. And that's where I don't know why. The, I, to this day, I don't know why anybody thought he was uh, worth a first round pick. But uh, like that, it's the modern NFL, right? Yeah, everybody else better be a pass blocking specialist. The Texans actually need run blockers, though, or at least guys who are better at run blocking. I <clears throat> hypothetical for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Laramie Tunsil is traded, is there a possibility? that Titus Howard goes from right tackle to left tackle and you feel the need, you are desperate enough at that point in time, if you want to use that word, right, yeah. to, to take a tackle at that position. Yeah, and if, well, and if they get a good return for Laramie Tunsil too, then uh, then it makes it a lot easier to say, oh, okay, yeah, we'll take an offensive tackle here. So I just the the thing I didn't like on this mock draft is they don't have explanations for the moves or reasons. So sometimes... If, if you don't tell me that Laramie Tunsil was traded, I feel like as a mock drafter, you're just phoning it in on the Texans. Like, yeah. like everybody does. Uh, people just, like, oh, yeah, they, uh, they got sacked a bunch last year, so give him an offensive tackle. He'll be happy with that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.